All right. Well, my name is Dan Jarvis, one of the pastors here, and it's a delight to be able to share this morning with you. If you want to go ahead and open up the scripture to Romans chapter 12, that's where we are in this series, actually all the way through the fall here. We're walking through Romans 12 in slow motion, um, specifically to answer the question, what does it mean to be a Christian, to live the Christian life, especially in the context of a church family? How do we do what we're committed to do? We learned uh, from verse 1 that the mark of Christians everywhere is actually surrendering to Jesus as Lord. And when Jesus is your Lord, um, from there a whole different lifestyle is going to flow out of you and take you to places you would never have gone on your own. Um, in, across the world you could visit different kinds of churches and meet a lot of different styles of Christians, right? The music they would sing would sound different, the kind of meeting places they have would be different, the structure, their churches, their outreaches, the things that they elevate and value would be different. But one mark that would be in common for all of us who follow Jesus is that Jesus is the Lord and, and we recognize our lives are actually dedicated to him. And, uh, and so we have this Arabic N on the screen, which some of you recognize. We've talked about that over the last few weeks, that in, in our culture, we tend to use crosses, maybe a fish here and there to, to signify Christian or Christianity. Um, in some places around the world, the symbols are different. Um, in the Middle East, there are places where this Arabic N stands for Nazarene, and that would be for the followers of Jesus. And so even the persecutors of Christians recognize that, and sometimes we've heard stories of them spray-painting that symbol on the homes and businesses of Christians. And uh, so that would be a threat to them, obviously, but for us, we look up at that symbol and say, well, whatever the symbol is, whether it's a cross or an N or something else, uh, I, it's not so much the symbol that matters to define me, it's what it represents, that Jesus is the Lord. Okay, so Romans chapter 12, we're walking through how we live that life. Um, and by the way, before we start reading that, I wanted to give you a little personal update. A lot of you knew Melissa, my wife, had surgery on Monday, and that went well. Um, everything is going according to plan. It's not easy. She's in a lot of pain, but she's right where she's supposed to be. She's still living at a hotel. Um, not everybody necessarily knows this, but we've got 10 kids at home. Uh, three of those are four years old. And, uh, and so our house is lots of action all the time, and we thought, you know, for her to actually recover especially from stomach-related surgery, um, it would probably be better for kids not to be jumping all over her and all the you know, stresses of household life and all that. So, um, so she's resetting at the hotel, and you can keep praying for her healing, but so far, so good. Thanks for your prayers and your help along the way in that regard. Um, I also wanted to mention that, uh, the, um, that what Zach mentioned earlier, that congregational meeting that's coming up in a couple weeks, there is an email in the inbox for those of you who are members. If you don't get email or you haven't seen that yet, there's also some hard copies of what was in there uh, out at the station when you walk in, the place that you normally could pick up the weekly email printout. Uh, there's also another piece of paper there that shows one of the things that we are wanting to make decisions on about a church, as a church um, in a couple weeks. So you can grab, grab that. If you have any questions about any of that, feel free to talk to me or one of the other leaders. We'd love to bring you fully in the loop. Um, so Romans 12, let's get into it. We've got a lot to learn today and also a little surprise at the end for you, okay? So each week we're showing this, this slide just to give you a little context of where these verses are appearing in the narrative of Scripture. 
Uh, we're not walking through the whole background story every week, but there it is. The book of Romans was written to the Church of Rome by the Apostle Paul, giving them instructions on a variety of issues. Chapter 12 is where, very specifically, he says, in view of all the things that God has done for us, how should we live now? What should we be doing? And, uh, and that's what we're digging into. So I wanted to start reading in verse 1, just to review, and then we'll get into our text for today, which is down in verse 6. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Now, last week when we read that, we asked this question, and this will set up what we'll study today, as we think about being in a body, being on a team, being in this church family, but also a part of a much bigger global church family, then God has put us all here for a reason, and He asks us to work together, that our success or failure in our mission is not just about whether we do our job, it's about whether we do it together or not, okay? And we ask this question, am I being faithful with what God has given for me to do? Okay, and so what God has given for you to do is different than the person sitting next to you. What God has given for you to do is unique to you. He has equipped you. He has given you experiences. He's connected you to training. He's given you relationships. And now together with all of that, he gives you a spiritual gift with which you are able to affect change or make a difference or share or care for others or whatever it is that he calls you to do. Okay, so now we're in chapter 12, verse 6, and that's what we'll zero in on today. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If if you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, this is one of three texts that talk about spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Uh, There's Ephesians 4, here in Romans 12, and then 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, all outline for us how God has given us unique functions, and when we bring those to the table and we add our best energy and effort, Uh, great things happen. The the Holy Spirit works. The mission is accomplished. And together we lean on each other because we need one another to fulfill our gifts because we all can't do it on our own. God didn't build any of us to be superheroes. Instead, we're, we're made to function alongside other people in humility as a team. Now, we'll get back to the scripture in a minute and go through it line by line, but I wanted to give you a couple observations about spiritual gifts in general. Because a lot of people have questions about this. You know, they'll kind of plug into a church family and they'll think, okay, I I want to serve, but I don't exactly know where I fit in. 
And sometimes you can tell what you shouldn't do easier than what you should do. Like some of you watch what Trevor and the team just did, and you go, you know what, I'm glad they're going to do it, but there's no way I should be doing that. Um, I am nowhere near ready to be a worship leader. Well, great, but what should you do? Um, other people will walk over to the other side of the building, and they'll see that the kids' ministry happening, and they'll kind of warm your heart. You see all these little kids running around, you go, well, that's amazing, but I probably shouldn't be doing that either. Uh, that's not my gift, so what should I do? And when we look at our spiritual gifts, it helps us determine how we put our lives into action, how we take what God has given us and make something of it, do something of it, not just filling in a blank at the church, but actually finding what is the thing God has made us to do, okay? So a couple observations about all that. First of all, your gifting is made clear by God's leading in your life. So you'll sense the Holy Spirit pointing you and calling you to, to get involved. And when he does that, you say, Lord, I want to listen to you. But that's not the only input here. I mean, obviously, if God speaks to you directly, you, you, you obey, you listen. But a lot of times we need to, you know, it kind of comes at us from multiple angles here. Uh, so you, you might look and say, well, where am I fruitful? As I serve the Lord, as I, as I try to help people, as I try to make a difference, where do I see results in what I've done? Uh, what others affirm in you is really important. Sometimes the people around you can see what you don't see. So it's possible that other people see you as an encourager, and you don't think of yourself as an encourager, but just naturally, when you come in the room, you're encouraging people, you're helping people find, their, you know, find a reason to be positive, or you're giving people a sense of well-being or connecting them to resources they need, and man, you're an encourager, that's amazing, but it takes someone else pointing that out. Other times, um, people around you might affirm what you shouldn't be doing. Right? So that's like if you try out for the worship team and they don't call you back. You go, well, I'm not sure how to take that. Well, I, I can tell you how to take that. Just recognize your gifting must be somewhere else, at least for this season. Right? Say, well, there's always tomorrow. You can always try. But uh, sometimes other people, it's really helpful for other people to speak into, like, what, where, where do you bear fruit? Where, where are you the most helpful? And, uh, and if you listen to them with a, with a humble attitude, you, you might find yourself in an even better place. And then your desires and your wiring. Um, generally, it's not always that you get to do exactly what you want to do. I mean, a lot of times in life we serve because it's our duty, because we're called to, we have to do hard things, it's not always fun. But generally, would you agree that when you're doing things that are fruitful and in line with your gifting and wiring, that that feels pretty good to be a part of that kind of thing? Sure. I mean, you'll, you'll feel good as you apply yourself in the right categories. So one of the things we have to do as Christian believers, we, okay, Jesus, you're my Lord, I'm following you with my life, and now you're asking me to play my part on the team, what's my part? Where do you want me to serve? How, how, do, you want me to, how do you want me to apply my gifts into either ministry work that's already happening, or do I need to start something new that can happen to accomplish the mission and to make a difference with the life that I have? All right, so we'll go through a couple of principles here before we swing back to the text and look at it as line items. Uh, some gifts are related to natural abilities and some are beyond that. Okay? So when you read the, the text about spiritual gifts in the Bible, you can say, well, there's some gifts, for example, teaching. You, you could have a fantastic teacher that's not even a Christian, right? Uh, but then when they become a Christian, the Holy Spirit empowers their already natural ability to be a teacher and says, hey, use that for the kingdom. Bring that to the table. Other times, somebody ends up doing something where they go, man, in my former life, I was not at all this person, but I feel like God changed my heart and gave me the ability to do this new thing. Say, so praise the Lord for that. 
Um, you just look at the whole of who you are and say, okay, God, through natural abilities and through spiritual gifts, what have you equipped me to do? Uh, when you apply your gift in humility as a part of the body, the results will be supernatural. Okay, so it might not be that you have a supernatural gift. I mean, maybe you're just helping people behind the scenes, or maybe you're just doing some function, maybe you're administrating something, and you go, that doesn't feel very supernatural. Uh, here's the thing, when you add up with the rest of the body of Christ, your effort plus the effort of all the other people, the results of that will be supernatural. Lives will be transformed, the gospel will be advanced, things will happen that never would have otherwise happened had we not worked together in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we say, Lord, I'm not looking for some sort of fireworks show because I did my part, I just want to be faithful with my part so that together the work is accomplished and the mission is completed. Okay? So a couple observations as you look at 6 through 8 and kind of zoom in and think about the inferences of those. One thing that's really striking is that these are all like if-then statements almost. God's gifts to us must be paired with our willingness and choice to use them. So God, it's like if God has given you this, your job is to, is to proactively go use it. Right? If God has given you the gift of encouragement, get out there and encourage people. If God has given you the gift of giving, find ways to give. If God has made you a leader, take it seriously. Like You have to apply yourself into this. It doesn't happen automatically or from outside. Like you say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. I'm waiting. You, know, you just kind of tell me what to do and do it for me. That's not how this works. God empowers you, but then you have to take the step of obedience to activate that power. Another observation is that your spiritual gifts could be wasted. As God loads all this potential into you, gives you this power, but for either maybe one season of your life or for your whole lifetime, you might never actually get in the game. You might sit on the sidelines the whole time, and it's not because the coach won't put you in. The coach has actually given you the job to do. You have to stand up off the bench and decide to get in the game. Right? So if, if you feel like you're on the sidelines no guilt trip in that. Just today, make a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, all right, I'm ready to start playing. I'm ready to start using what God has given me to make a difference. I don't want to waste time anymore. Okay? Showing up is more than just showing up. It's about bringing your best focus and energy with you. And that's why it's not just if you're a servant, serve. What does he say? If you're a servant, serve gladly, serve well. If you're, if you're a teacher, it's not just, well, you know, sign up for a class. No, if you're a teacher, teach well. If you're a giver, give generously. Like, you're adding some oomph to this. You're adding some energy. Because you know God has given you a gift, use it to the best. Use it to the max. Spiritual gifts are specializations in areas that we are all called to generally participate in. I think this is really helpful to think about. Um, most of the spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible could argue that all of us should be doing the function of that gift, all right? So what percentage of Christians should be hospitable? I think 100% of us should have that somewhere in our heart, right? What percentage of Christians should be willing to share the gospel? 100%. What percentage of Christians should be willing to give generously? Sure, 100%. Say, well, those are things we all would do. We all share responsibility for those things. But you know it and I know it. Some people are gifted at those things. So that's the person you want to be the captain of the team that's doing it, right? I think about evangelism and how some people, they're just wired, it seems like very uniquely, they're gifted to 
strike up great conversations with people. They're, you know, even somebody they've never met before, and here they're sitting next to them on a plane or something, and they've got this whole, their whole life stories getting told, and now they're sharing the gospel, and you go, wow, I, that's not at all how I roll. I don't, I don't even know how that person does that. Well, they're clearly gifted to do that. That doesn't mean that you're off the hook like you never have to do that. It just means that when it's your turn to share the gospel, you probably want to go team up with somebody that's got that gift and say, hey, let me walk with you, right? Or you think about giving or encouragement or leadership or any of these gifts. These are specializations where if, if you know that you have the gift, it just means you lean toward that and you might even end up leading other people into that. Um, so I, I see that as really encouraging and, and really fun. And here's why. It means that anything you think up to do for Christ could happen, but it's not based on whether or not you know how to make it all happen. So maybe you think, wow, somebody should figure out how to reach this particular population over on the other side of town. But then you realize, well, I don't exactly know how to make that happen. But guess what? You're a part of a body. You're a part of a team. If, if the rest of the team agrees, that's also an important goal. We circle up and we put all of our resources together to do that. Now that action can happen. It's not about you being a superstar or figuring it all out. It's that together we identify what needs does God want us to meet? How do we apply our gifts? And then we get to go after it together. We pull in the specialists who are going to be able to take us further than we could have ever gone if we were left to ourselves. So the more we think like a team, the more we're able to accomplish our vision and our purpose. All right? So... If you are fill-in-the-blank with any of these gifts, if you'd say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an encourager, I'm a teacher, I'm a prophet, it's always wise to team up with or learn from someone who's gifted in that area, right? For a couple different reasons. One is you don't want to walk alone, so it's nice to find people of camaraderie. But here's the other dynamic. It's also nice to have a team that compensates for where you don't have gifting. This is why we need to do this. So two gifts that are listed in the Bible that, you, that don't naturally go together very often would be the role of a prophet and then a, somebody that has a gift of mercy. Okay, could you see how those could occasionally not sound the same? Um, the prophet wants to tell you the truth, right? And that we need those people to do that. The mercy people want to hear your story. They want to listen. They want to cry along with you as you're struggling. Um, do you want to have a counseling appointment with a prophet? Maybe not, unless you're kind of looking for... That's what a personal trainer is, right? Counseling appointment with somebody that will tell you the truth. Yeah, pointing at Jay, who is one of those. The, uh, so a counseling appointment with a prophet, I, that, that's kind of how I am, like my wiring. I've tried to grow in this. I'm not quite as rough as I used to be, but um, early in my ministry, I would help my parents in their, in their uh, jail chaplaincy. And so sometimes I'd go in and I'd be counseling with different people. And, um, and I just like to tell the truth. I wasn't particularly empathetic. And, uh, and so, you know, people come in and they, you know, tears would be falling or whatever, and I'd be trying to think of, well, what do I say to this person? So this guy came in who had committed heinous crimes. So like already anybody's mercy level drops when you, you know, you hear the backstory. You know, okay, I'm still supposed to be Jesus to this person, but humanly speaking, I don't feel a, a lot of good toward them. Um, so this person's crying because they've been given a life sentence. So here I am, Christian counselor mode, um, thinking, how do I help this person? How do I encourage them? So I said, well, let's turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, 
uh, which if you know the book of Ecclesiastes, that's basically the whole book just says, hey, everybody's suffering, life's meaningless unless you follow Jesus, and so get with it, right? So that was my counsel to the guy. Uh, I felt a little bit sad afterwards when I thought about how did that really sound to him? You know, I thought it was all brilliant when I was saying it, and later on I, I learned. Um, so if you want Ecclesiastes-driven counseling, come to me anytime, happy to dish that out. Uh, if you want pastoral care, that's why Pastor Bill is on our team, you'll get a much more caring and wise response from him than you would from me. Um, but here's the thing, as a team, we recognize we're not all going to play every part. Um, you have gifts, other people have gifts, when you, you get to merge those together, and sometimes we encourage each other when we have similar gifts, and sometimes we compensate for each other or supplement each other when we have different gifts. That's how God has wired all of this to work. So a couple personal notes that are really just opinions, all right? But I, I, when we talk about spiritual gifts, I feel like people have lots of questions because they're trying to assess their own, you know, how do I fit into this whole story? Um, so there's just three things to think about. Um, personally, I think spiritual gifts start to be evident before age 12. That is, if you grow up in church as a Christian, usually when a kid is pretty young, they're already starting to find their track. And you'll notice that kids are particularly good at different things, and you, you want to affirm them. This isn't something you wait till you're old and then figure it out. No, as soon as you start realizing you've got some drive, you're good at some things, start applying those to serve Jesus with those skills, and that will help you have an effective life right from the get-go. Um, I'll tell you this. When I was 11, right after I became a Christian, I was already being compelled to write and speak about the gospel. I was not very good at either of those things when I look back at what I wrote and what I spoke back then, but already in my heart were the seeds of spiritual gifts that still today I would say, well, that's what I do. Um, and so it's very possible that all the way back in your younger years, if you've been a Christian for a while, these gifts have already been like kind of inserted into your life and into your heart, it's just a matter of opening them up and starting to use them. Um, Spiritual gifts and strengths aren't the end of your capacity, they're the beginning of it, okay? So there's no limitation here. It's not like, oh man, I have the gift of giving, that's all I get to do. I'll never get to teach. No, it's, it's not only like that. It's just God has given you something, you start running with it, you start being faithful with that, and, and I think your capacity to do more things can expand over your lifetime as you learn. Uh, you just recognize the Holy Spirit is guiding you. This isn't just the best you can do, this is the best you can do, plus the power of God. Okay, and then your willingness to serve in any area is the secret pathway to serving in a specialized area. So you say, man, I wish I could have this particular leadership position, or I wish I could start this kind of a ministry, or I wish somebody would give me this, whatever the job is. So that's great. I mean, that might be a, that might be a God-given desire. But if you want that the road in is always the road of humility, and the road in is the road of servanthood. And so you start by saying, Lord, I'd like to serve where I feel the most gifted, but I don't have to serve where I'm gifted. I am allowed to just serve for the sake of serving. And your willingness, your humility in serving in any area is what will start opening doors for you to specialize and you'll get closer and closer to your strike zone the longer you serve faithfully. Okay? And so you just trust the Lord with that. Say, Lord, I want to jump in. I'm not going to wait for like the perfect opportunity. Probably never will come. Uh, instead, I'm, I'm just going to jump in and start serving and then start honing and growing so that I can become better and better at serving you. Okay, so when you look at the text here, a few direct words. I mean, he actually calls out different groupings in the church. So you know who you are. Uh, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. you don't hide it. Don't, don't wait for somebody to tell you it's okay to do it. Just proactively begin to be 
involved in that way. Uh, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. You don't wait for somebody to ask you to serve. If your gift is serving others, proactively serve. So you're actually saying, like, who could I serve, and where could I plug in, and how could I help? And you, you become an agent of mission as you do that. You're not just saying, well, I'm available if somebody thinks of me. You're saying, no, I'm, I'm actually looking for how I can put my life into maximum effect. How do I put my life into action? If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Like, start making it happen. It doesn't all have to be reactive or situational. It could be that you actually schedule time to say, you know what, if God has given me the gift of encouragement, our world needs tons of encouragement, Lord, I'm going to set aside time every week to actually do that function, to call people or write to people or however you're going to do it. Make that a part of your rhythm in your life. If it's giving, give generously. So, you know, like we said, everybody can give, of course, but man, maybe God has just put it in your heart to be strategic about that. Or maybe you're the sort of person that actually just has figured out how to make lots of money, and you're thinking, well, if I made more money, I could give even more. Great that you have the gift of giving. Step forward into that. Start, start being intentional, and don't just wait and be reactionary to like, well, if, if somebody comes to me, then maybe I'll think about it. Get, get on the other side of that equation and say, how can I maximize the resources I have to do as much good for the kingdom as I can. God's given you leadership ability. Take the responsibility seriously. So that doesn't just have to be if you're a positional leader, like in charge of something or some group. It could just be like if people are following you, if your influence is making a difference, if you're mentoring people, step forward and be intentional with that. Take it seriously that God has given you a gift. All right, some of you, even, even like on the teams that you're on or at work, um, or at school, people look to you as a leader. Say, okay, Lord, I'll take that responsibility seriously. If people are going to look at me as a leader, I'm not going to let that influence, that, that asset go to waste. Instead, I want to maximize that. And then if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Uh, and again, look for opportunities. So here, here's a surprise. I need two people who'd be willing to help me pass something out. Jay, can I call on you for that? So you're right here. Maybe somebody here. Colin? All right, everybody gets one of these, and you could just, there's plenty of extras, so if you want to just kind of pass out kind of groups to each row, and hopefully there's a pen in the seat back in front of you. Here's what I'd like you to do. A lot of people, when we talk about spiritual gifts, struggle because they look at the lists in the Bible and they say, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I see that if I know what I'm supposed to do, I need to take it seriously, but what am I supposed to do? So this is, this is what we call a spiritual gift survey, and it's kind of, it's, for some people, this is lots of fun, right? If you like filling out little questionnaires about yourself and then scoring, you get to do that. Uh, now, this isn't like the gospel, and it's not biblical exactly, but it is helpful. It's a tool that can help you look at all the different gifts listed in the Bible and notice which ones seem to be stronger in your experience so far. And so what we're going to do right here in our service, I'm going to give you about four minutes to start this. Now, you won't finish this in four minutes, but I'd like you to just start, just let, you know, start working through this. You notice on the blanks here, you get to fill out um, one to five. So, you know, one means, ah, that's not really me or it's not me right now. Five means, yep, that's totally me. I do that all the time. And some of these things, if you're like me, depends on what mood you're in, like if you're in a pretty optimistic mood, you're like, man, I think I'm a five on everything here. Don't do that. And then uh, some of you are pessimistic and you're thinking, man, I'm just failing on all fronts. I'm a one on everything. You're not a one on everything. 
Uh, but just as you notice these statements, um, one to five, if it's like, yeah, that's totally me, that's how my heart beats, write a five. If it's, that's uh, not really me, I know there's other people who are really good at that, I'm not, put a one or a two. And just as you score that down, um, on the back, you'll notice there's a place where you can kind of do all the math. Now, that's for, not for in the service here, that's for later. But this will yield a result for you that'll just give you some tracks where you could pray about, you could think about. All right, so in four minutes, I'm going to come back up and wrap up our service. But I want you to dedicate these next few minutes to starting to fill this out and see what the Holy Spirit reveals to you.
Well, you can see this, uh, this will take a little bit of time to fill out, right? Um, and I would encourage you to put your name on the top of this form uh, so that you don't get it mixed up with others in your family or something and take it home. And at some point today, just about 15 minutes maybe, go ahead and fill it out and do the little worksheet on the back. And here's what, a couple different things will happen. Well, one is, and I know when I fill this out, there are things here that I think, wow, I probably should be willing to write like a higher number because some of these things seem like it's just the right thing to do. That's not really the purpose of this test, right? This isn't, this isn't an evaluation of what, where you're weak. This is trying to surface where you're strong. And, uh, and so as you notice the things that are obviously the highlights, those are going to transfer over to the back of the sheet there. And what I'd like you to do is just end up circling your top three that are listed and then use those three keywords just to pray about. Say, Lord, am I using these talents and gifts well? Now, like I said, this isn't like super specific and, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways. Maybe you could slice up exactly how your spiritual gift would be applied. But this will give you some categories to think about. And maybe God has really equipped you for some things that you're not yet activated into. And this can help you notice that. All right. So once you get those three things in mind, I'd encourage you to, to pray about those and then share your top three with your life group. Um, or if you're not in one of those, with a pastor or mentor or trusted friend, somebody that could just pray with you so that you're able to be intentional in whatever your gift is to go ahead and bring your best to the table uh, and be a part of the body in that sense. All right, we're going to pray and then we'll sing one final song to kind of celebrate our connection as a church family. Uh, Lord, thank you so much that you have equipped each one of us with a mission and a purpose and then the power and skill we're going to need to do it. And we recognize, Lord, you're calling us to step into this mission and that we may have things we need to learn and areas of our life we need to grow in and improve. And, and even for the things that we're already strong or gifted at, Lord, we probably need to take that to the next level and keep learning. But I pray that you would help all of us to be intentional, that none of us would be sitting on the sidelines uh, or waiting for something to happen, but that instead we would be stepping forward in faith, recognizing your purpose, your plan, and the fact that we need each other. We look forward to seeing where you'll take us as we follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand and sing with us.